Clyde Sports Talk with Michael Merlo and John Michael Masiri on the SND Podcast Channel. Here we go, episode 74 of the Hardline Sports Talk. I'm Michael Merlo, and I'm joined by the birthday boy, John Michael Masiri. JM, happy birthday, and how are we doing on this fine morning? I'm doing good, man. 21. Can, uh, can't wait to have that first beer. Oh, yeah. Uh, feels good. Feels good. Uh, looking forward to uh, the celebrations, but uh, I'm doing good. I wouldn't, wouldn't want to be anywhere else to celebrate my birthday. Perfect. Um, yeah, your first beer. I'm very excited for you, sweetie. Um, <laughs> we got a lot to do. I uh, got a, lot, a couple of things in baseball. We're going to bring in a special guest in a little bit. And football. We had a big football game last night. It's Friday right now. Big football game. And we're going to preview uh, the upcoming weekend, which has a ton of really great games. I think better slate than week one. Hot take. I don't know if that's hot take or not, but very excited for that. We are going to start with Major League Baseball, though, today. Uh, we got a tight, tight race in the National League East, and we're going to start there. The Mets just got swept by the Cubs at home the first time they've been swept in a three-game series this year. Uh, the Braves went out west. They lost a couple series in a row to the Mariners and the Giants. But this race is going to go to the end, and these two teams play each other, I want to say, end of September, early October. So this is going to be uh, – for Mets fans, a nightmare, and for other fans, a good movie to watch. Yeah, no, I mean, compared to years past, I'd say this is probably a weaker year around the MLB in terms of uh, races for the division. There's not a lot of tight races going on, but this is the one to watch, obviously. I mean, they're within a game of each other, uh, and you're right. I mean, if I'm a Met fan, I'm, I'm very nervous. Uh, grateful to be playing competitive baseball, but, you know, not not exactly the calmest of times um i mean listen we talked about it i think either way the mets are going to be okay if they win the division or not now obviously the road to the world series is a lot easier if they do win the division because of the first round bye and the home field advantage and all that stuff um but we knew this braves team was going to be a problem they've been a problem they've been one of if not the best teams in baseball behind the dodgers uh since basically june um and the Mets have, you know, they got a problem on their hands. And, and listen, this Cubs series was brutal for the Mets. Luckily, the Braves finally, we always say the Braves just don't lose. Finally, they lost a couple of games. So the Mets are still okay. But you could also look back and say, hey, if the Mets would have taken two out of three, swept the Cubs, something like that this weekend, would have been a whole different story. They could have a three or four game lead right now. Yeah. Uh, I haven't really thought about it like that just because of the way the team's been playing. I've been just saying – Mets have been grateful. Mets have been grateful that they still have some sort of lead. I think I texted it last night or the other night. The yeah. fact that the Mets aren't three games behind the Braves right now is pretty shocking. But you're right. You had an easy schedule. The Mets were supposed to take care of their own business. They've been great against teams under 500 this season, and they just haven't done that. And when they don't – it's funny because when they lose, and this is going to sound stupid, they don't score any runs in their losses they're averaging about 1.7 runs but in their wins they're averaging like close to eight runs or something like that so it's either they're getting off to a hot start and they're pounding teams or they're losing and they're losing anemically Wait, this is that actually, that's an actual stat pretty sure in their law the last i should say the last two weeks oh i was gonna say over a season i'm like no crap how's that even possible no yeah, not okay. over a season the last like couple of weeks here yeah okay 
uh, that's the way their losses have gone. They've just they've been anemic on offense. I don't think it's uh, or that's like a big Frank, word for you. Or as Frank the Tank likes to say, um, feeble. I think he, he uses the word feeble. Uh, they, they look they look terrible. It, it's very yeah. frustrating at yeah. times. Um, thank God last night Thursday night they had a big they had a big win against the Pirates. They pounded them. <laughs> they need to see. You don't you don't like that yeah. word? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you need to see that type of offensive production against these bad teams. You know, there was a point, I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday, their DHs and their combined rough and Vogelback. Okay. And then their last 73 at bats, this was as of Wednesday, they were six for the last 73 combined. Holy crap. That's what they're getting from. Because Buck Showalter likes to bat them fifth, both of them. Although he did, he did move rough down when he plays them, batting fifth right behind Pete Alonso. Jesus, hasn't been good. And the Six funny thing 73. is, their biggest problem was their bullpen most of the year, and their bullpen's actually been pretty good mm-hmm. lately. But the Braves came back to earth, thankfully. For now, for now, yes. I mean, they might go. They might go back to the moon again. Oh, that and they're well. Actually, they play the Phillies um, seven out of the next ten games, and they haven't been great against the Phillies. You know the Phillies. What's what's the standings right now? Let's see. I got them up right here. You want me to read them? Yeah, I'm looking at them right now. Good for the Phillies. They they were kind of hitting a little skid a couple weeks ago, but they bounced back. Um, I hate to switch to switch the topic, but just from looking at these standings. The San Diego Padres, I've been thinking about them a lot. They're a game and a half ahead of uh, Milwaukee for that last spot. I think they'll probably end up losing the spot, to be honest with you. I I just think they're like limping along, and I think that um, Milwaukee is going to catch them. And even if they don't, the San Diego Padres – this season, I mean, I would give it a D if they end up losing in, like, the wild card round. <laughs> How can you go out, you have all this amazing talent, this talent that they've been adding for years now. I mean, you know, signing Machado is what really started it. Then, obviously, Tatis comes up, becomes a star. Then you have, they get Blake Snell, they get you Darvish, you get Mike Clevenger, they get all these guys, right? And now they go out, they get Juan Soto and Josh Hader at the trade. Down. I'm like, holy crap, this is literally looking like an all-star roster. If they go out and win 85 games, you know, 88 games, whatever, uh, miss the wild card, losing the wild card. I'm saying to myself, should AJ Preller really have a job? I mean, you're blowing up the farm system. Tatis, you gave this guy an extension. He's been a, a disaster. He can't even get himself on the field because of the stupid stuff he's doing off of it. And we talked about Preller being almost over aggressive at times and maybe even with this trade and with the extension obviously looks just completely terrible because they didn't evaluate the person. They only evaluated the player and they only saw the player for, you know, really a a season, maybe a season and a half of games. And sure we can look and see what an unbelievable talent he was, but, they didn't evaluate the person either. And it's somebody you can't trust. You're hundred percent. Right. I actually don't think they're going to make the playoffs either, because if you get this Brewers team hot with their pitching staff, they can go on a run. And we've seen the Padres unable to do that. So with 18 games left, 
only a game and a half up on the Brewers, I would say the Brewers make the playoffs. And I hope, I really hope they do. I really and, hope they do. You know, the, the Josh Hader move at the time when they made the deal, it was like, wow, they got Josh Hader. But looking back, it really didn't make a lot of sense. I mean, you traded away it's Taylor Rogers, Tyler, which one? Taylor. I think it was Taylor. Taylor Rogers you traded him away who had, I think the most saves in baseball at the time or close to it. And he's gone to Milwaukee also hasn't been that great from Milwaukee. Both guys haven't pitched well for their respective teams now, but haters has been terrible. Haters literally been one of the worst relievers in baseball. And you, it's not like you just gave him, you got him for, you know, a, a high level, uh minor league prospect. So your major league roster isn't really feeling the effects of the loss. You went from having one of the best closers in baseball to now having an unusable reliever. I mean, he's been better as of late, but past couple of games, but still his numbers are way high. I think it's season ERA is up to a five. Now it felt like a move that was just so unnecessary. I think we even talked about it at the time. Flexing the like, muscles. Exactly. Yeah. You know, having an embarrassment of riches in your farm system and saying, you know what, let's trade for a guy that's one of the best closers in baseball. Yeah. When in reality, that wasn't really a need. Maybe another starter was a need. Maybe, you know, you hold on to whatever you traded and just keep what you've got going in the ball. But maybe an extra arm without giving up Rogers was needed. So, again, just an over-aggressive move by a guy that seems to be over-aggressive. Let's talk about the team in their division, the Los Angeles Dodgers. They clinched the division with 21 games to go. They did it a couple of days ago. Uh, they're 21 games up in the division right now. But let's just put it in perspective. And we talked about it a ton especially around this time. June 22nd, the Dodgers and Padres were tied for the division lead. It's now September 16th, three months later, four months later, whatever it is. I'm bad at counting months. Uh, <laughs> the Dodgers have clinched the division. It's not close, and it's just an historic run these Dodgers have been on. Um. Yeah, I mean, remember, that was the time when people were, the Padres fans were, like, so desperately trying to make it a rivalry. And the Dodgers just came out, swept them, like literally embarrassed them. <laughs> um, just really quick before we talk about the Dodgers, because I just wanted to, I was looking at the Padres team stats and just seeing how everybody was doing. Soto has not been good either. Like he has three home runs for the Padres. And listen, I don't want to get a, do an overreaction and everything, because we, I think we know how good Juan Soto is. And these guys are still young and they're, they're not going to have their consistent MVP years, like going crazy yet. But Maybe we should chill with the Juan Soto with like already saying he's Ted Williams and just let the guy's career progress a little because he's got an 843 OPS on the year. He's batting 234, 24 homers. He still hasn't had a 40 homer season in the big leagues, which is obviously no easy task. But if we're going to call this guy Ted Williams, I would expect to see some numbers like that out of him. So let's pump the brakes a little bit and, you know. He's got chill, a 694 chill. OPS for the Padres. Yeah. A 319 slug. He yeah, he he's been he's been bad. Yeah. He's been a bad Padre. He, he has been. So um you, you so I kind of tell why they're not going on this run. And I have a Josh question for you. too. Yeah. I have a question for you. Couple couple weeks ago, about a month ago, whatever it was, you told me on this show that the Atlanta Braves are the only team in the National League that scares you. Yes. 
Now looking at the way the Los Angeles Dodgers continue to just embarrass their opponents and run away with their division, do you still stand by that statement? Um, Yes. You you put the pride away. Listen. say no. The Mets played them tough and beat them in the season series, and obviously that means nothing when it comes to the postseason. Do I want to play them? Do I say, oh, bring me the Dodgers? Am I one of those, like like those idiot college fans say, uh, bring me Alabama? No, don't bring me the Dodgers. But I wouldn't say that they scare me. Uh, I'm Okay, I'm not... I'm not expecting you to be like, oh my god, like I like they're gonna kill us. Yeah. But you can't tell me that you're like strongly confident when you if you play the Dodgers in a series. I'm like not you, strongly you confident be, if we play the Pirates in a series. You could right be now. Co- you could be confident in your team being like, like I think like we could play with with like the best teams, but you can't be like, oh, the Dodgers don't scare me. No, I don't. I don't think that – I wouldn't predict the Mets in a seven-game series to beat the Dodgers in a series. Do I think that – So they scare you. So they – Do I think they're going to sweep us? And I don't even want to watch No, but it, no, the, the, I, scared, I don't think, I think being scared be a, is being I, afraid of losing. Th- then I guess so. I'm afraid to lose everybody. If the Mets played the Phillies in, the, in, a, in a three-game series in the wild card round, I would be – scared of them technically i'm scared you know if the mets were in the playoffs i'd be scared of any team because i'm so nervous because i haven't seen my team in the playoffs much yeah. and b they have a good team is a lot of expectation seven game series who would you rather play the cubs or the dodgers <laughs> after dodgers after this weekend who would you rather play look at exactly what it means the, the mets lost the season series to the, the cubs yeah. yeah they lost four to three and the mets beat the dodgers four to three so that's baseball susan exactly Exactly. It, it was funny because they beat the Dodgers two out of three. It was two weeks ago, and they lost to the the Nationals at home two out of three. Mm-hmm. And then the Pirates one more. Okay. Uh, the Yankees. Let's talk about the Yankees quick, and we're going to bring in a guest. We'll get to him in a minute. After the break, we're going to start with baseball. We're going to give like a whole overview, who we think are pretenders or not, who we like come this October, and whatever – I think the awards race, really the only two races that are close to the Cy Youngs and the NL Rookie of the Year. So we're going to, and that might not even be close. We're going to talk a little bit about that. We are going to talk about the Yankees, though, because now that they're not playing with minor league players, they're actually winning games. Mm-hmm. First ever guest, by the way. Yes. Took us to episode 74, first ever guest. Um, we're very we're very picky with who our guests are. Yeah. Really. Yeah. You have um, to be like high level. Yeah. I mean, Finally, you know, you still got a couple minor leaguers. I mean, Oswaldo Cabrera, love the guy, can't hit a baseball really, but um, another IKF. Yeah, Marwin Gonzalez probably should be a minor league player. Hit a nice homer though the other day, um, in Fenway. But um, yeah, I mean, obviously, Aaron Judge has been carrying this team lately. Um, but the reason why they've won the past couple games is the pitching's been good, and uh, you know, I got you got a couple guys whose bats are starting to come along. Glaber, especially, he has been. If you take away Glaber's August, he's like having a great year. Um, he literally was just the worst hitter in baseball, basically, in, in August. Um, but his bat's coming alive now. They're they're playing a little better. Uh, the pitching's been good, like I said. And uh, 
you know, they got a six and a half game lead. Now that was big. Yes. That was a big series for them. Uh, the Rays blue Jays series. It worked out perfectly. I believe they split uh, two and two. Um, so now yeah. it's six and a half for Toronto and seven for Tampa, I think. Um, and now you got a series uh, coming up. I think it's, is it next weekend against the blue Jays? I want to say I got to double check that. Yeah. And that'll um, be for the season series too. The winner of this series will win the season series. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm sorry. It's, it's after it's like, Oh, it's been like 10 days from now after the Boston series. Um, and they, they're done with Tampa for the rest of the year, the Yankees. So six and a half games, magic numbers, like 14. Now I would say my stress levels have definitely reduced. Um, this next week is going to tell if this division is still up for grabs, if the Yankees still have a six game lead with like 12 games left or 11 games left, whatever the number is going to be. That's going to have to be like a historic collapse. Be like the Mets. Up Which, seven, you know, in 2007. Yeah. I wouldn't put it aside. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't eliminate the chances of that happening. Judging how the team, oh, this team plays. Um, I ne- you know, every Yankee fan was freaking rightfully. So they were playing terribly. They had so many injuries. I, I held firm. I never thought they were going to blow this lead. Never thought they were going to do it. And did you really? I, yes. I, I stood by it. And even when it got as close as it did, because all the Yankees needed to do in these series against Tampa and, and against Toronto, if it got to that, all they had to do was like win one game, just yeah. win one game with the team that they had, hold them off. So they couldn't get as close. And that's what they did. And that series last weekend against the Rays, where they were able to come back and win the last two games and dominate them in the last two games. I think mentally put something in Tampa's head, like, okay, this isn't the same as the years past. And for the Yankees gave them confidence, like, okay, we're, we're going to win this division. We're just fine. We're getting our guys back. Stanton came back. That was a big series. Well, all I got to say is thank God for the Minnesota twins, because they got us right back on. They got us right back on track. I've never, ever seen a team lay down like the Minnesota Twins lay down for the New York Yankees, or just a team dominate another team like the Yankees dominate the Twins. What was I that think stat? There's like stats against the Twins, one twenty three and forty something. I want, yeah, I really want to find that since like 2001 or something like that it's in it's insanity how good they are against the twins or how bad the twins are against the yankees i don't even know what it is at this point the yankees are 114 and 39 against the twins since 2002 including the playoffs god i don't think the twins have beat the yankees in a single game in the postseason in like their last 10 games or something like that no and if the yankees if the Twins were to – the Twins shouldn't even try and make the playoffs because if at any point the Yankees are their matchup, no no needs. Save, yeah. save the arms. Yeah. Save the arms for next year. Yeah. But uh, we obviously – we're talking about the Yankees and the guy that we have to bring up is Aaron Judge because of the – he's having an historic season. We all know that. But the fact that he's getting Stanton back now and Rizzo hopefully back in a week or so, now Judge has protection in the lineup and we've seen it. Yeah. Yeah. I really, I really like the judge stand back to back. Um, and he's done good in the leadoff spot. I mean, he does good. You can bat him anywhere. Obviously he'll do good. Um, I'm going to the game on Tuesday, the Yankees pirates game on the 20th. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for, uh, you know, 
maybe Judge gets three homers this weekend in uh in Milwaukee, comes back, or even even two, so I can see him hit number sixty on Tuesday. May I ask, uh, are the prices a little elevated for the for those games? I was just about to bring that up. So we're going as a big group, and I'm the guy in charge of getting all these tickets. So I bought like 25 tickets, uh, I don't know, like a month ago. And a lot more guys want to come now, so I was like, oh, I got to buy like 15 more. So we bought them last night. I'm looking at the prices. I bought the first tickets. We're sitting in the grandstands. You know, it's not, we're not getting nice seats, obviously. We're sitting in the bleachers, left field bleachers. It's like, I bought 25 tickets for, I think, total came out to like 290 cheap. Yeah. Right? Yesterday, we bought another 15 for like, like 300 or something. Yeah. Yeah. So prices are going up. All the, I think all those games the rest of the year are going to be a little elevated just because he has a chance. And you're in left field. Maybe it's a, a nice shot out there. You know, I didn't even think about this. If Judge breaks the record and that piece of garbage Zach Hample catches that ball, I swear they should they should ban him from Yankee State. They should literally, if, or or if I'm a fan there, like I, like just jump him. Honestly, like just just don't let him get a ball. Well, Judge is very interesting because he's got power to both ways. I don't know where I would sit for that. Yeah. He could put one in right field or he could put one in the second. Deck I would say, field. yeah, I guess I think my best bet is I would sit in like right center because he he, he hits, you know, he obviously could hit him anywhere um, and he'll hit a bomb to left field. But like he doesn't really hit him down the line, the left. He might hit him to left field, like to that state farm sign, but he yep. also hits a lot in the bullpen. But the amount of times I've seen him just flick one to right center. Yeah, you're probably, probably right. I'd sit in right center. I'd sit in right center. That's where he'll be. He'll, he'll be in right center for about yeah. a week at Yankee Stadium over there. We're going to come back, talk a little bit about the Yankees. Should we announce who our guest is or no? Should we just bring back? We, whatever you want to do. All right. We're going to come back with a guest, a little more baseball, and then all of the football. Slight recap of last week. We know it's late. Big preview of this week, and we had a big Thursday night game, and it did not disappoint. So we come back, guest baseball. The SND Podcast Channel, the perfect channel for any style of podcast. We have all different pop culture style podcasts for all of your listening needs. If you would like to start a podcast, you can reach us at sndpodcast at gmail.com. We are always looking for new podcasts to add to our channel, and the topic could be anything you want. So contact us now. Here we go. We are back. Episode 74 of the Hardline Sports Talk, and we uh, teased before that we have a special guest coming on, and if you're watching on YouTube, you see him and his pretty face right there. We have Joe Masiri, JM's brother, and Joe has a TikTok called Just Ball Analytics and is uh, gaining some traction and is very interesting. Joe, how are we doing today? What's going on, guys? Thank you for having me on the show. I uh, I appreciate you having me on here. We're very excited. We've got um, a big segment of football to do after we uh, kind of talk about contenders, pretenders in Major League Baseball right now as we head into October. We're out of the dog days, and we're into the interesting month of September with baseball. We're really seeing teams getting tired or not, who is for real, who is not. So we're going to start there, and we'll start in the American League. Are there any teams – is there a team that's not being talked about that you like to maybe possibly go on a run in the American League? Honestly, not really. Um, I think that a lot of people are starting to kind of hop on the Guardians bandwagon in the AL Central. 
I think that their pitching is there. I don't think the hitting is very consistent. Honestly, I think that the American League just is not nearly as deep as the National League. The Astros, I think, are the favorites right now. They have the hitting and the pitching to get it done. The Yankees, I think health is the biggest thing of importance. If you get Benintendi, Carpenter, all the Rizzo, especially those left-handed bats back, I think that they have a legitimate chance to make a run. I think the rest of the AL East, I'm not really a big fan of the Rays. I think they have the pitching. I think the hitting is incredibly inconsistent. Their defense is very good, but again, I, I just I don't think the hitting is really there at all. Um, and the Blue Jays, I think the pitching isn't really there. I think that if Barrios somehow goes on a roll, even though he's been one of the worst pitchers in the American League all year, I think they have a better chance. Kikuchi, I mean, he just seems like a lost cause. He's been moved to the bullpen, back to the starter role multiple times. I mean, he's just a swing man at this point that they gave a lucrative contract to. I think the Astros are clearly the favorite. I don't like any of the teams in the Central. I think the Yankees are all about health. And I think that for Toronto and Tampa Bay, it's multiple things need to kind of stack up for them to go on a run. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think a lot of people are trying to find that diamond in the rough team in the American League. And I really don't think there is one. Um, and, you know, we everybody was really big on the Blue Jays. Merlo, I know you picked them to win the World Series. I had them winning the East in the in the uh, the preseason. But I don't see it with them. And I'll tell you, one team that everybody likes to hop on now is the Mariners. Like, that's like the fun team. And I'm going to shoot that down because – I think the Mariners are a good team, and if I was playing them in a series, I'd be a little concerned just because I think their pitching is so good. But they don't – this is going to be a year where the Astros or the Yankees come out of the, the AL, and that's it. They don't have the hitting, the Mariners, to get all the way to the, to the World Series. I mean, I understand everybody falls in love with starting pitching and says, oh, you need starting pitching to make it to the World Series. That's cool. But you also need hitting. And also, that's such a cliche because we just saw the Atlanta Braves mash their way to a World Series with great bullpen help. I mean, the starting pitching was not the star of the show. Um, so I think the Mariners don't have the offense to get it done. I don't think the Rays have the offense to get it done at all. I think the Rays are the worst. I would pick the Rays as the worst team in the postseason as of right now. Over, worse, over, I agree. With that. Worse than Cleveland. Worse than Cleveland. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. I think the Rays are a fluke, honestly. I, be, especially from looking at the Rays teams from the past couple of years to looking at this Rays team, it's it's not comparable. You could see. Yeah, I I disagree with you guys. Uh, not on the Rays and not on the Blue Jays. Although they're a team that if they did for whatever reason get hot, they would be something to watch. They're still they're the team that I could see. Out of all those, out of those yeah. four teams, the teams that are not the Yankees or the Astros, they're the team that I could see as okay. If they made it to the world, if they came out of the AL, I wouldn't be as surprised. I like the Mariners. I re I really like the Mariners, and I'm not predicting it because I think the Astros are too good. And like you said, if the Yankees do get healthier and they figure out things in the bullpen, they could go on a run. That wouldn't shock me. But the Mariners are a team. I like the bullpen. I love the starting rotation. I think the offense is good enough. Why wouldn't it be good enough? It's middle of the road. It's, I think yeah, the no. offense is it's it's good enough to to maybe win a playoff series. I mean, I think they could maybe make it out of the first round. And obviously, they're starting pitching, like Jam kind of alluded to with Logan Gilbert, Robbie Ray, Castillo. I mean, obviously, it's very good. The bullpen is also very good. They kind of have those pieces there where you could maybe see it. You know, maybe Julio Rodriguez gets hot, or or Eugenio Suarez. I mean, he's capable of going on a home run tear. But 
I don't really view them as a team that could consistently put together that deep October run. I just don't think they have the talent one through nine in the lineup and then all through the pitching staff. You put them in a series against this, like, you know, let's say they play the Astros in the CS or the DS, whatever. Is that what their matchup would be as of right now? I think it's 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 it uh, Mariners versus Blue, Blue Jays. Blue Jays, right now. Yeah, yeah, to get it. Yeah, so it would be. And they would and play, the-, the winner of that would play the Astros. So the DS. Let's say the Mariners play the Astros in the DS. I mean, I understand the game's not played on paper, but you go with pitching matchups of your guys for the Mariners against Verlander, Valdez, you know, Garcia, the guys in their rotation. You really think that they're going to out-hit the Astros against that rotation? I don't see it. I I like the the rotation. Yeah, the rotation is great. But, you know, it's funny. You know, Jam talked about the cliches with – you know, oh, you need starting pitching. And, you know, it seems like the cliche changes every year for what that formula is for how to win a World Series. I mean, you know, you had years ago when the Royals won the World Series, everybody fell in love with that, you know, contact-oriented lineup. But then you had the Braves just mash their way to the World Series last year, just hitting home runs with one really reliable starting pitcher in Freed and then a really good bullpen with, you know, Matzik breaking out the way that he did and then kind of falling off this year besides the point. But I think that people fall in love with that formula. I mean, it just comes down to what team gets hot. I mean, even we talk about the Tampa Bay Rays might be the worst team in the postseason or the Guardians. Doesn't mean they still can't win the World Series. I mean, going into last year, I think the Braves might have been the worst regular season team in the postseason. And they went on, obviously, a World Series run. So, I mean, it's kind of a crapshoot in a lot of ways. And Boston limped their way into the postseason last year, beat the Yankees in the wild card and then went to the ALCS. Uh, I feel like the formula, if there's something that's a constant, you know, you want to go back to 15, that's fine. I feel like it's bullpen. I feel like if you have a good, deep bullpen, and you never know, you know, use, you know, a team, use the Mets for an example. Their bullpen hasn't been great this year. If those guys got hot, then they can go on a deep run. We don't know what bullpen's going to get hot, but let's look at the bullpens that are very good right now, or good right now, I should say. I think that is a constant. You see good teams with good bullpens go deep. In that, that's why I, I I think there's no, we're looking for a formula. Like we're looking for an answer, but it's, it's baseball and it's sports in general. There's no distinct answer. And it's, Oh, this is what you need to have. It's like what we talk about in football where we say, Oh, don't sign that running back. Don't draft that running back, whatever good teams don't, you know, Super Bowl winning teams don't need these superstar running backs, but you're telling me you take the, the Los Angeles Rams and you give them Derrick Henry last year, all of a sudden they lose the Super Bowl. No, it's just the way things go. The The Titans didn't make it to the Super Bowl <clears throat> the past couple of years because Derrick Henry was their whole offense. If they had, you know, if Ryan Tannehill was a better quarterback or they had a better passing attack, they could have won a Super Bowl. So we're, we're, there's no distinct answer. It's just, it's just about obviously having talent all around the team and getting hot when it matters. And now, who, who do we feel like is a team in the National League? Because this is a lot more interesting. There are many teams. Uh, to me, there are four teams in the National League. If you told me they were in the World Series, I'd say I'm not shocked. Would and one I of those teams be the Cardinals those... for you? Yes. See, I, I just don't see it with St. Louis. Why not? I think that we were just talking about bullpen. So, for the most part, you know, you talk about relievers might be like the one common denominator of getting to the world series. And, you know, you never know what bullpen is going to get hot and so on. 
But for the most part, you're not even in the playoffs if you have a bad bullpen. I mean, that's that's a common de- denominator for regular season teams, too, for even just getting in the playoffs. I mean, it's hard to win if you're constantly blowing leads or whatever. Um, St. Louis's bullpen is is pretty bad. I mean, they're, I believe, 19th in all of baseball in F4 when it comes to relievers. And they've, even last year, too, I mean, you saw a lot of just consistency issues with just walking walking the whole lineup and just not not, uh, not allowing uh, teams to get that big hit against them or allowing teams to get that big hit against them. I think St. Louis's bullpen is a huge problem. I think their lineup is, obviously, you have probably the NL MVP and Goldschmidt and then maybe the runner-up in Arenado. Uh, I think that, you know, they're kind of winning maybe the worst division in baseball. I don't necessarily see them being able to go blow for blow with the the Mets or the Dodgers. And honestly, I even think the Padres are kind of on the same tier as them. I just don't really see it. No, I would not. But the, you think the Padres are on the same tier as the Cardinals? Yeah, I, I think so. <clears throat> I disagree. I think I think I actually disagree with the whole take on the Cardinals. I think the Cardinals, I could definitely see them in the World Series. I mean, I'm looking at their stats right now. They're third in the MLB in OPS. They're top 10 in ERA. I understand what you're saying about the bullpen. The bullpen's a concern. But like we just talked about with the Braves, bullpen's a crapshoot. You got guys that could come out. We were just talking about Josh Hader before you came on the show. He went from amazing to terrible, and now he's doing a little better now. Like These guys, you know, they come in, they pitch for an inning. Obviously, it's it's completely random. You could have a five-inning stretch in a row where you're dominant, and then you're terrible. So, yeah. Now, obviously, you would rather have the good stats on the year because they're more reliable and, you know, the chances of them being great are higher. Um, But I I think that this team has it. I mean, they have probably number one and two in NL MVP right now on their team. Um, Something's going on with Albert Pujols. I don't know what they're putting on and putting in the Gatorade or whatever the hell that dude's doing if he's back on the juice or I don't know what the hell's going on. I love it. Um, Put juice balls in when he bats. Seriously, what like I can't talk. What the hell's going on with Albert Pools? I don't I don't know. I mean, the guy is the guy's been raking against left-handed pitching all year and suddenly he's just going ballistic against everybody. I mean, they still sit him against righties for the most part. I know they've been kind of increasing his playing time against them a little bit, but I mean, what the guy's doing is I mean, all jokes aside, I mean, it, it it's crazy. I don't know. It's one of those things where it's just baseball and it's unpredictable and, you know, a 40 play. I mean, I think he's, you know, my theory about, it. I think Pujols and I is a lot older than he claims to be. Yeah. I think a lot, um, of, I think people a lot of people believe that. I think a lot of people, yeah. I don't, I know I'm not reinventing the wheel with that take, but yeah, I think that Pujols, who's a man who's probably in, at least in his late forties, according to conspiracy <laughs> theorists like myself is, I mean, he's just tearing the cover off the ball. I mean, watching him run the bases is painful, but I mean, if he's jogging around the bases, I guess it doesn't matter. And it's crazy I, what he's doing. And you know they're not going to test him for anything, especially now in his little... Of course uh, not. His farewell tour. It really doesn't feel like a farewell tour either. I mean, it's not like he's getting treated like some king on the way out like we've seen others like Ortiz. But it really is special to see what Pujols is doing. I I remember joking around. People were making jokes about where he was going to sign this offseason. He goes back to St. Louis, and we saw Yadier Molina and, and Adam Wainwright break the, the starts or the catcher pitcher starts most com- uh, most yeah. starts am i correct yeah, by uh, that's mate yeah i can't believe what wayne wright's doing at this age he's yeah, having absolutely. a very good season yep i mean no. does that make any sense i have his numbers right here he has a 3 2 9 era he's he's at 178 innings pitched he's 
been they're using him like he's a young guy like a rubber arm i should say yeah. that's the term i was looking for it's very impressive and it's crazy because a couple of years ago it looked like he was just washed and he was i mean he the guy was basically throwing batting practice i mean he just seemed like he lost his stuff i mean it's typical i mean he's a he's a pitcher he had a lot of innings on his arm and then all of a sudden the last few seasons i mean it seems like really since the covid year that he's just reinvented himself and i don't know he's just found something that fountain of youth and he's been great uh last thing before we move to uh the judge talk i said this like months ago when we were talking about we were just me and merlo were just going over stats or whatever and we were talking about the importance of defense and how like maybe we don't as baseball fans realize how important defense is the bot the, the top teams in terms of errors so you know the teams who have committed the least errors top 10 Mariners, Cardinals, Phillies, Marlins, Braves, Mets, Twins, Astros, Dodgers, Reds, Yankees. Seven of those teams are like all like World Series contenders. You know, you have the the Reds, the Twins, and the Marlins are really the all the other teams. All those other teams are in the playoffs, flirt, have a chance at a World Series. So are we not realizing like how important defense is? Like when you look at the teams who have committed the most errors, they're all terrible teams. Yeah. I, I, yeah, go for it. No, you go. I, I think that you bring up an interesting point. Um, I mean, obviously, errors are just one way of looking at defense. Um, I have up right now Fangraphs, how they assess defense. It's funny, the best, they have the highest rated defensive team as the Arizona Diamondbacks, which is pretty crazy to think about because the Diamondbacks are pretty bad. I mean, I think they have a bright future ahead of them with Corbin Carroll and all these, you know, nice young prospects coming up, but still, I mean, the teams after them are who you would think the Yankees, the Astros, Cardinals, guardians, then the Royals, another, just what are they doing there? But I think that sometimes we get a little bit too caught up in like, for, for example, I was looking the other day at the angels lineup because I was just realizing how insanely bad it is. Once you get past, you know, trout and Otani, and especially with, you know, Rendon injured and whatever, but Andrew Velazquez and all the shortstops that they've put out there have Velazquez has basically been the best defensive shortstop in the league this year, but he has a 550 OPS. I think that, you know, a guy like him is rare, but I think that sometimes with defense, a lot of the times, especially with errors, good defense is just a byproduct of having just a good team. Like, if I were building a team, I wouldn't start off with, oh, I want to make sure that I'm good defensively. I think that, you know, if you have good players, and a lot of times, a lot of the good hitters in the league, especially at the premier positions, are are good defenders. I mean, it just kind of tends to work out that way. They're getting the at-bats. They're in the lineup all the time. And, you know, a lot of times they're good defenders as well. They have the athletic ability, whatever. I think that a lot of times it's just a byproduct of having a good team, especially now with the analytics, good positioning, all that stuff. So I don't necessarily think it's something that I would prioritize if I was building a team, but it doesn't mean it's not important. Do you, do you think that good defensive teams could commit more errors just because like, for example, they have better range or more, more yes. opportunity. Like they're, they know, you know, they, they're positioned better or whatever. Yes. I mean, it's like the Derek Jeter thing, you know, people, back when he was playing, would never say Jeter was an overrated shortstop. People thought he was a great defensive shortstop. He won gold gloves because he didn't commit errors. But now people look back and say, oh, well, he has the worst defensive run saved and uh, uh, UZR of all time. 
So maybe he was pretty overrated defensively. And now we know it's because he just didn't have the range. I mean, you can't commit an error on a ball you can't get to. If you don't have the range as a shortstop to backhand that ball, you know, in the, in the five, six hole, you're not going to make an error on it. So I think that, I think errors is, is an overrated stat at this point. And yeah, so to answer your question, yes. If you guys needed to pick out before we get the football, a World Series prediction, who would it be? Ooh. Matt's Astros. That's my pick. Oh, I, I honestly haven't even really. I, I'm, I mean, off the top of my head, I'm going to go with a rematch. I'm going to go Braves Astros. Um, I think Atlanta is just, I mean, the run of dominance that they've been on. I mean, obviously, they they know how to get it done. They did it last year. I mean, I think that I think that the team, I mean, not honestly, this is not a hot take. The team that they have this year is definitely better than the team that won the World Series last year. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously, we talked about before they got hot, went on a run. But on paper, this team is better. It's way better. Uh, I mean, they're going to win much more regular season games. I think that, I mean, the Astros, obviously, we know how good they are. They have the hitting, they have the pitching. I think that there's much less question marks with the Astros than there are with the Yankees. I hope I'm wrong about that. I hope the Yankees do go on a run, but I'm going to say Braves Astros. I'm going to agree with Joe. I'm going to go. I mean, Astros, I don't really think you have to defend that one. They've been the best team in the American League. And then the Braves, you said it, Joe, they're better than they were last year. And these guys who they have that were there last year know how to win. I know that's a kind of an overrated thing, but they've been there before. Not sh- I shouldn't say they know how to win. They've been in these situations, these really tough spots. A lot of them have won so many division titles over the past few years. They're just winners. And yeah. I'm going to say Atlanta, Atlanta gets there. I agree it's overrated, but it, it still does mean something. That's like the whole – it's the whole debate between like stats and analytics and then like they're real people too. That's the thing. Like you still always have to take into account the human element – and especially in October, I mean, pressure does add up. And like you said, they've been there. So I think that, you know, the pressure won't get to them as much as maybe some of these inexperienced teams. So that's why I I agree with you. I think the Braves are, are primed for another run. They know how much of a crapshoot it is. So exactly. they know the randomness of it already. They understand that. And I think that's why they'll, they'll be ready for it. All right, let's move into the NFL here. We have uh, a lot, a lot to get to. Oh, it's going to be, this is going to be fun. We had a interesting game last night. I thought it was entertaining. I went back and rewatched a lot of it. Entertaining game. Two incredibly talented quarterbacks, and one who was a little banged up, but made a very impressive throw at the end. And that was Herbert. What do we think of last night's game? Um. Yeah. I mean, first of all, if you watch that game last night and you don't think that Justin Herbert is a dog, then you're wrong. Um. I said it live and I still stand by it. The like even take away the fact that he was hurt. That throw he made on fourth down last night was one of the most accurate throws I've seen in like a long time. That was yeah. an incredible throw. And I didn't realize it at first when they showed that angle, like that overhead angle, he literally the, the window that he had to fit that in was like incredibly small and 30 yards down the field incredible um i think the the game went exactly how i thought it was going to be i didn't bet on the game i i did like chargers plus four but i also didn't want to touch the money line because i felt the chiefs at arrowhead are tough um, look at him now that he's 21 he can talk gambling terms real good. officially i got that ba- i got that backdoor cover last night i was, I was yeah. 
I good was thing I, joy. Good thing I say all this stuff and then don't bet on the game, so I just don't win any money. Um, but I think the Chiefs are they're still here. Obviously, we like no Tyree Hill. The Chiefs are still the Chiefs. Um, I still think the Chargers are going to win this division. I think they'll probably beat them at home, even though the Chargers play eight games on the road and eight games at a neutral site. Yeah. Um, but Justin Herbert and Pat Mahomes. That somebody asked me last night. They said, "Is this the the QB matchup of the year?" I said no. I said I think Mahomes Allen is probably the QB matchup of the year. Um, but mm. it's it certainly is a debate because I think there's five quarterbacks you put in that tier: um, Herbert, Mahomes, Allen, Brady, and Rogers. Um, and you wouldn't put Lamar in that tier. I would not put Lamar. I would not put Russell Wilson. I would not put anybody else. Joe Burrow. Can, can I, I interrupt for one second? I, mm, sure. I understand what you're saying, and I'm not saying that Rodgers or Brady aren't as good. I feel like these two, these three at this point are so young and at, at such a different level. I kind of feel like they What do you mean be... a different level? What do you no, mean? They, don't, don't get it confused. They play, they're playing a sexier style of football and they, they're, they're, they're more exciting right now. But it's really just the style of football. Like, Look, let's not forget Brady and Rodgers. I don't even think it's style. I just think it's youth. Yes, because Rodgers new toy. But Rodgers, you right. told me this two years ago or three years ago. Fine, you. Could, I would say he's in that class. Even Brady. But I don't know. I feel like these three are on like not even above. Maybe on the side. Like they're just different. Well, Merlo, they also play on these like. Well, Brady does too, but. Um, they're also on these like juggernaut offenses and the, the way that their offenses are designed, you know, Rogers is playing in a run first play action style offense in green Bay where the bills haven't had a good running back in, you know, years. And, you know, you saw the, the, the chargers number one running back is basically another receiver. So they're really yeah. letting it fly at those for those other offenses. Yeah. I think that, you know, you bring up an interesting point with the tears and, with the youth of these quarterbacks. I mean, I think that we're in for just an incredible era of football. I mean, Brady and Rogers, I mean, they seem like they're probably on their way out at least within the next two or three years. Most likely. I mean, Rogers just signed a four year extension. Who knows if he'll play that entire contract out considering he just teased retirement last season. So who knows, but I still think that if you just talk about this, this season or the past two seasons or whatever, I mean, I think that that top tier is basically what JM said. I might throw Lamar Jackson into there. I mean, honestly, Joe Burrow had a better regular season than Allen last year. So I think I might also put Burrow in that tier. I mean, maybe if you want to say let him prove it another season, especially with how he played in week one, which was horrendous, I, I could get behind oh, yeah. that. But uh, honestly, I also think that – I think that Herbert at this point – is probably a little bit better than Allen. And I know that that's a little bit of a hot take, but again, I think Allen had a little overrated of a regular season last year. When you look at the numbers that he put up, he was very inconsistent. And I think that Herbert at this point is probably a little bit more refined as a passer. We saw Allen become a little bit more willing to kind of dink and dunk his way down the field, which he wasn't doing as much last year, but we saw him do that in week one against the Rams. I think if he continues to do that, he'll ascend into kind of that 
MVP caliber quarterback. Um, I think that, and have kind of a little bit of a bounce back from last year, but I still think that if we're just talking about the best quarterbacks in football right now, I mean, I think, I mean, Rogers just won back-to-back MVPs. Brady also, I mean, you could have made the argument for him to win MVP last year. And, you know, we talk about that fountain of youth. He's clearly found it. I still think that those two guys, I mean, I think I take those two guys right now over Josh Allen. I don't know if that's a hot take. Well, I was, I was about to say, you want a hot take. I'm taking Josh Allen and I'm taking Herbert over Mahomes. That's my hot take. Yeah, I don't agree with that. I take both those guys over Mahomes. I, think, I wouldn't take Allen over Mahomes. I, I, I think that you I, could argue I, Herbert, but I don't, I don't understand. I, I understand, but Joe, I mean, we've talked about this, you know, in conversation where football, and I agree with you. I'm really of this stance now where traditional stats, like, and I'm not saying, oh, I look at analytics more because I don't know a lot about football analytics. I really just, I don't want to say like the eye test and sound like the, you know, he, he can ball, he's, he's got it, whatever. But like, it kind of is the eye test. Like, I, who, who at, at what point is it like, oh, he had 43 touchdowns and he only had 40 and his QB, his passer rating was three points lower. It's like, all right, you know, you, you, you're just. Yeah, you're I for- agree with that. I mean, especially when you see Mahomes had basically five would-be interceptions last night that weren't. Yeah, you know, exactly. Obviously would have negatively affected his statistics. So I, I agree with that. I could get behind that, but I, I don't think that. Allen, I mean, and like I, he could easily, I love Josh Allen. I think he could easily prove me wrong this year. I don't think he's as refined of a passer as Herbert or Mahomes. And it's not really a knock against Allen. It's just that Herbert yes, and Mahomes are so ridiculous. That, that is true. But Josh Allen also, you're basically getting another running back. I mean, he's got a Cam Newton type build to him. I mean, recently he basically has been their running back. He's hard. Yeah. And he's <laughs> very hard to bring down. And he, he's, he can literally you could run a QB draw with him on the five yard line and he can push his way in the end zone. So Joe, you just mentioned something that's interesting because I felt like I felt like this. I think a bunch of other people felt like this too with Mahomes. How he wasn't willing to try and dink and dunk his way down the field, as you say. He was always looking for that big play. Yeah. And that was something that was very telling in week one where they just completely dominated the Rams. Josh Allen was willing to do that. He took the smaller plays. He would not just chuck it down the field unless he had like the, the play to Gabe Davis and the play to Diggs obviously were open and they were there, but he wasn't forcing the ball downfield as much. And we've seen, we saw Mahomes do that at the end of last season and even to start the year, I feel like he's doing that more, especially in that week one against the Cardinals. And it's made him look better. I think if Allen goes that same route, where those big plays will be there, if you take what's in front of you, I think he is going to become a better passer. It's a tough debate that I don't even think that if you say Allen won or Herbert won or Mahomes won, it doesn't matter. They're, they're honestly interchangeable in my There's, my there's no right answer. And I think you said this a couple of weeks ago, JM, it's going to change year to year. Who's one, who's two, who's exactly. three yeah. out of these three guys. And we're not even mentioning and, Burrow or Lamar. Yeah, I was too. just about to say that. They're, they're, both of them are going to jump in too. And Zach Wilson. Lamar- Let's not forget about Zach Wilson. <laughs> right. Oh, and Tua, obviously. Yeah, Tua. Yeah. If uh, I Jack see, the, oh my, bro, if I see another Tua thing, I'm going to lose my mind. They're still saying stuff. You know, who said it yesterday? Some NFL player, somebody said it. They're like, just Tua, he throws a more accurate ball. Oh, no, what an NFL player. It was Frank the Tank. Yeah, it was. freaking moron. Yeah, I saw that. I He's saw like, that TikTok. Yeah, Tua throws him with his freaking drool on his shirt. 
saying, <laughs> oh, you know, Tua throws a more accurate ball. Like, bro, shut up. I don't what even do know mean? what that means. Like, what what is that? What what does that even mean? A more I don't know. accurate, but what? So he, I mean, we obviously know just from everything that we talked about. I mean, the, the eye test, analytics, basic stats, whatever. We obviously know that he's not more accurate than any of these other. I mean, he's not even more accurate than Mac Jones, especially in short to intermediate routes. And yet, I still. See, I mean, I know Tyree Kill, whatever. He's going to hype up his quarterback, but even I still see people. And, and people that I'm not just talking about randoms on Twitter. I mean, I see people that, you know, talk about the NFL for a living talking about how accurate Tua is. And I think that that's kind of just becoming the patent, the patented thing to say about a quarterback that doesn't have arm strength, but is capable of, I guess, hitting a slant route over the middle. I mean, I don't understand it because he's not, if we're talking about accuracy, I mean, I think that arm strength comes into accuracy too, because you know, like the throw that Herbert made last night. So like, you're not making that throw if you don't have that arm strength. I mean, to be able to fit it into tight windows is part of accuracy. And if you don't have the arm strength to fit it into a tight window, then you're not super accurate. And Tua, I mean, I saw something about him a couple of days ago that I thought was really interesting. I believe it was Kurt Warner that was talking about this, that Tua's mechanics are just like all over the place that he'll go to throw a deep ball to the left sideline and he'll step towards the right sideline and then throw against his body. And he does that consistently. Like he's not throwing with all of his body weight behind him. So I just, I agree with you, Jim. I I don't, I see this stuff about Tua and it it just blows my mind. I can't believe people are serious about this stuff. Like they actually, and listen, I don't think he's, I don't think he's terrible. I think that he could have, a year where he proves that he could be, you know, an average quarterback, you know, if he's on the level of, you know, right by, or even a little below Derek Carr or somebody like that, like a middle I, of the road quarterback. Mm, it Derek Carr shock me. I know. I'm sorry. Well, Derek Carr looked like crap on Sunday. That, he did look really bad for another day though. Cause he's just force feeding Devonte Adams. But did you see what Tua said? Uh, it was a press guy. I think oh, this yesterday, morning? Thursday yeah. or something like that. He said, some about not being able to see over the offensive line at times I, or the defensive line at times. I didn't understand what he was even Turning. saying. He like the, the sentence was just like grammatically made no sense. He kept like repeatedly being like, if you can't see me, then I can't see you. And then if I can't see you, then you can't see me. And then I can't throw to you. And it's like, dude, just say like you're short and like, you can't see sometimes. Like, that's it. <laughs> what do you got to say? Pretty funny. Yeah. I saw a comment too. It was like, an NFL quarterback actually said this. Like this yeah. actually came out of his mouth to reporters. Nothing will ever be as bad as what Drew Locke said though last year when he said that fifty percent of the time oh. he doesn't even know where the ball is going when it leaves his hand. Oh. <laughs> I mean that is that's that's an all timer right there. That I I couldn't like I thought when I saw that that it was satirical. I, I didn't think it could be serious, but like he was being. And he was starting at that point for the Broncos. And I mean, no wonder he couldn't win a job over Geno Smith. I mean, Geno Smith is him as we saw the other day, but it's correct. That's a wild quote. Speaking of NFC West quarterbacks, you see the uh, call of duty uh, beta comes out uh, this, this weekend. So, so we know, we know that uh, the Raiders are a lock this lock. week. It's the Cardinals. Lock. Lock that in. Lock. Raiders are the Raiders are a mortal lock. And yes. 
And you see uh, Devontae Adams' like grandma is coming to watch him play the oh, game. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Every so, Devontae prop yeah. over. Absolutely. His, his touchdown, like to score a touchdown, is going to be like minus 200. It's going to be the biggest favorite of the it. weekend. Oh, yeah. Yeah, now I'm gonna take it too. All right, let's uh, let's move on here. We're gonna. I, w- I want to get into this. We were talking about it off air. Uh, Rob Sala and the Jets. Now I'm not going to criticize Rob Sala for going four and thirteen last year. I'm not even going to criticize him for losing week one. It, it is what it is. It's not a well, maybe getting blown out in week one, but either way, he doesn't have his quarterback. But I don't like the way Rob Sala has handled himself with the media. Because of yeah, in what, in what way? Well, I thought you guys were gonna critique there. Okay, so I got a couple of things. Well, I'm nothing to number critique. One, number one. Now he didn't specifically say the fans, and he may be talking about the media when he asks for the receipts. Okay, but with okay. his description of talking about the people that have been doubting him, that have been hating or clowning him, I think he said clowning the team. Doesn't that fall under the fans too? Don't you think the fans are criticizing the team? They're part of the group that are being critical, that are clowning. Fans will do that, especially when things are bad. Rob Sullivan never specified whether or not he was talking about the media or the fans. And I think that this is a bad road to go down, even picking fights with the media, picking fights with the fans. Although I don't think he's specifically doing that, but he never said he wasn't. You're you're not... I don't know if it's because you're not a Jet fan or you're looking at it like you're looking at it from a different perspective. The um, my immediate reaction when I saw that quote, I was like, "This has nothing to do with us." Jets fans are on Twitter and wherever else are like making like memes, like like good memes about this and saying like, "Let's go, like bring me the receipts, like when we beat Cleveland this weekend and stuff like that." Like, I think when you look at Rob Sala's like whole identity with this team and this whole culture he's trying to build i think this aligns with it i mean like use it in comparison nathaniel hackett just had a real bozo move the other day and he comes out in a press conference and is like well looking back we probably should have that was pathetic like that was was like spineless like bro like at least like have some pride and and double down on what you did like have a little confidence um so, no, I, I I think looking at how the media has treated the Jets, especially recently, you have that moron Stephen A. Smith, you know, laughing at them and whatever. And I mean, rightfully so. They've been a laughing stock. Um, Rob Sala is just trying to hype up his fans and hype up his team and saying, we know what we're building here. We know we have something special. I'll bring you the receipts when it happens. Yeah, I think, I think that's, that's it. Yeah, I don't know what kind of – I don't like – I'm not on Jets Twitter. You're a Jets fan, whatever. From what I've seen and from what I've heard, not being a Jets fan, fans are pissed. Maybe it's the older crowd that is pissed. About the quote specifically or just about about the the state of the team? About the quote specifically, but also the the way the team is. Like, I understand you're saying it's because the team is bad, but you're just adding almost more fuel. Like, the team is bad. It's not going the right way. It didn't start off the way fans wanted it to be. And I don't know why fans thought they had a chance. This is the, That's Sunday. what I was going to say. This is That's what the problem is. The fans, and I, I said this, to, I got into an argument on social media with somebody about this because they were, like, making a hype video before the season started of all these guys talking crap about the Jets, and it's like, let's really show them. It's like, 
can we stop like getting in this thing where at the end of training camp, we hear all the tweets about this guy looks good, blah, 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 blah. All of a sudden we're like, yo, like we're going to make the playoffs this year. We're going to have this sick year. Like, can we just like look at this rationally and be like, okay, we're building something nice. Maybe we could get five or six wins show improvement. And then next year, you know, spend some money for you and see, maybe now we're talking about a wild card, something like that. Like the fans will set too high of expectations. I see people saying Joe Flacco is a better quarterback than Zach Wilson. We're better with him. Then he goes out and they're like, oh crap, Joe Flacco is 58 years old, can't move, and isn't yeah. Joe Flacco of the Baltimore Ravens anymore. And all of a sudden the fans are complaining and saying we're terrible. Like they're surprised that a team that just had a top five pick in the NFL draft is now starting a backup quarterback and lost to Lamar Jackson. One of the best teams in the AFC. Yeah. I I don't, there's no, I'm actually very encouraged. My problems from the game on Sunday are, I think Michael Flair had a bad game. I don't know what the hell he was doing with his play calls. Um, And I think the offense, the pass blocking was not good. I mean, and there's injuries on the offensive line, but still, it was concerning, but I'm encouraged. The defense, we just played Lamar Jackson where we were on the field half the time, a little more than half or whatever. I don't know what it came down to with the possession time, whatever. We only scored 10.9 points. Um, I was very encouraged by the way our defense played. Um, so I'm not thinking this season's a disaster, blah, 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 blah. If we're one in seven at the bye week, sure. But Everybody, it's week one overreactions. It's typical. Pump the brakes with Rob Sala, with the Jets, with everything. Yeah, I mean, when we talk about this quote specifically, so ju- just this is the quote that I saw. So, I mean, Salas, just for anybody that, you know, at home that has not heard it, Sala was talking about, you know, getting the team to click and whatever. And he says, and I know it's going to happen. We're, we're all taking receipts on all the people who continually mock and say that we ain't going to do anything. And then he continues and says, I'm taking receipts and I'm going to be more than happy to share them with all of y'all when it's all said and done. So I didn't even see that quote before Merlo said that, you know, he came in and said, you know, Sal is a clown or whatever. And I didn't know what he was talking about. And then I went and saw that quote and I was like, am I missing something here? Because I just, I just don't see how that quotes. First of all, I don't, I don't see how it's bad. And I especially don't see how it's, coming after fans at all. I mean, when you're talking about receipts, I mean, you know, like JM said, when people are making hype videos in training camp to, you know, of the doubters and proving them wrong, they're not playing clips of, you know, Vinny from Staten Island on WFAN saying right. the Jets are going to suck. They're playing clips of, you know, Stephen A. Smith and whoever, the you know people on ESPN, on, on CBS Sports, whatever it may be. You know, I don't think that the opinions that they're talking about are the fans. I think that the people they want to prove right to are the fans. I think that they are talking about these receipts referring to the media. And then when we talk about just, you know, Salah in general, I mean, the fact that people already want to jump on him after week one, I think is crazy, especially after, I mean, you're talking about a game that going into it, you were seven point underdogs and you had Joe Flacco. I mean, honestly, that probably wasn't even enough considering you had Joe Flacco at quarterback. And I, I honestly just, I, I think it's, I think it's classic New York media, the New York mentality of overreacting, um, you know, we see it constantly across all of the major sports here. And I just, I, and as it's, somebody who's not a fan of either of the New York teams, I mean, I, I honestly, a lot of times it's cringy. I, I just, I see it and I cringe. I, I'm like, can you have a little patience? I mean, the way that you 
don't succeed in the NFL is by constantly having overturn in the front office in your head coach and your coaching staff. You need to have some form of stability. I mean, even, you know, in the case of the giants, I mean, if, if the giants win four games this year, but you really like dabble and you think, all right, we could, we could build something here. You don't fire him. I'm not saying that they will, but I mean, even this year, the jets, I mean, if, if you know, if Wilson doesn't come back to week five and you know, he plays decent and maybe he takes some small steps forward, whatever. I mean, I don't think that you fire Salah based off of that. I mean, I don't, you know, if they just win four or five games, I don't think anybody was expecting them to be a playoff team. So what's the point of firing him? I mean, if, if the players like him, why get rid of him? And everything I've seen so far is that the players do like him. So I just think it's a classic overreaction. You know, for the for the New York media and the way New Yorkers like to identify themselves, we can be pretty freaking sensitive sometimes too. Like, can we get can we give this a break? Like, yeah. as Jet fans, like now you're gonna be like, oh, Rob Salas, he he said a comment towards us. I don't care, dude. If he if Rob Salah came out and said something like to the fans saying like, screw you guys, like. Sure, I'd be like, damn. But Merlo, I'm going to use you as an example. If you saw Tom Coughlin walking down the street right now, you would kiss him in the mouth. Okay? Of course I would. Is Tom Coughlin the nicest guy you would have ever met or the nicest coach the Giants have ever had? No. No, but Tom Coughlin never came out and called the fan base out. And again, I'm not saying Tom Coughlin specifically... still did some dumb shit, though. I mean, especially at the end of his tenure. And in, I mean, not that this matters to you, but in Jacksonville, too. So. No, as a, as a Giants coach, I, I love Tom Conflin. Of course, that's a completely different statement. Bill, if if Rob Sala wins a Super Bowl for the New York Jets, he can do whatever the hell he wants in the city, talk about whoever he wants in the city, as long as it's appropriate. He, he Nobody will say anything about him. But he's won four games, and that's not even fair to criticize him that he's only won four games because of the way the team is. Nobody I have one more critique of him. We'll ever one be happy. Thing. Okay. No, no. No, if you win, Sam, we haven't. You'll seen never it. be you happy. Be happy. Dude, if he goes out and he's a puppet and just is is giving you know scripted answers, everybody's gonna be like, "Who the hell is this guy? Do we have a robot for a coach?" But then if he goes out and makes a little bit of a testy comment, it's like, "Who the hell are you to say this stuff?" Blah 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 blah. Everybody wants to see problems. Everybody sensitive for fans that pay and have paid so much money to go watch this team play, bring their families, eat, drink at the stadium. To use the word receipts the way he did, trying to prove people wrong. Say you're trying to prove the media you're, wrong. You're trying to call the media one out. thing. You know I when disagree. I see when I see a head coach like Rob Sala running onto the field to give his player a chest bump after a big third down stop, that hypes me up and that makes me think, okay, I'm glad this guy's our coach. I'm glad that I invest all this time in this team and he's as invested. Versus when I see Adam Gase his eyeballs rolling to the freaking back of his head and popping out of the sockets, not knowing what the hell's going on. I'm I taking mean, think, Rob Sala. Think about it from Rob Sala's perspective. I mean, imagine that you're him. So you're seeing well, all him. these comments. He did, right. He, yeah. Okay. Imagine you're seeing all these quotes from the media and whatever. You're the head coach of this team and they're saying, Jets are going to suck. They're going to win three games. Zach Wilson isn't it. They're going to have to draft a quarterback. Well, all this stuff, right? Uh, you know, Salah is, is not doing a great job, whatever. And, and just talking about the team in general and criticizing them. Then he's, you're him and you're seeing those comments. Is your, is your mentality going to be, yeah, yeah, they're probably right. We suck. Yeah. You know what? No, your mentality is going to be, I want to shut these people the hell up. I want to win games. 
So even after you go out there and you lose that game week one, it doesn't mean it's a testament to your entire season. You come out and you say, we, you know, we see those receipts. We feel like we're building something and we want to prove them wrong. I think that it's the exact right mentality that you want to have. Yo, uh, I, I, I like that mentality, but again, specify. But he I'm doesn't not have talking, to specify. I'm not talking about our great, great fan base that have sat here and suffered for years. And sure, the past regimes are not his fault, but specify you're not talking but about why does he ha- th- i mean they have I, I every just... right to be fragile this fan base has been tortured for years on years on years if the jet fan wants to get upset about something they deserve it if they are upset with something that's going on with the team they deserve to express how they feel i'm like a lawyer for new york jet fans i'm trying to help the fan out if you want to be upset be upset because you deserve it specify it but pick but be upset about the right things i mean if you want to be upset about the fact that you know they're they were unwatchable on sunday sure but i i think being upset because he didn't specify that he wasn't talking about fans if anything i think if he would have said we're keeping the receipts oh but we're not talking about the fans i would think wait a second Maybe he was, but he didn't, but he realized he wanted to backtrack and didn't want to offend anybody. I don't, I, I just don't see how that quote is. I mean, it's, it's like if I said, you know, Justin Herbert is so good. And then you said to me, oh, so you think Lamar Jackson sucks? No, I didn't say that. I, uh, why would I have to specify that I think Lamar Jackson is also good? I, I think that he was just talking about receipts, which in my mind is clearly a receipt. So if it's a receipt, it means that it needs to be, either aired it, you need to have a, a record of it so it needs to be either you know on twitter or, or aired on television or on the uh, or whatever so to me that would be referring to the media i just don't understand how that applies i don't understand how that quote could be misconstrued to apply to fans i just don't fans, i don't see it fans can't go on the radio and and criticize the team that's on that's aired that's there's proof of that so you think from fans uh, yeah sure but again, do you really think that those hold as much water or as much weight as what a writer at ESPN or somebody on a broadcast, so like a professional on a broadcast, is saying? I just think that it's it's a, it's a reach. Is all it I'm is saying. Typical it's a reach. New York media overthink non-story. Let's just not exactly. Not it's a non-story. It's like I it's love like, New York media. It's like every week when Aaron Judge yeah, is asked about free agency after the game, and everybody's like, "Oh, yep. he's going here, he's going there." It's like, bro, what are you expecting to get? Did you see what SNY answer did? every time? Oh yeah, they took like yeah, two quotes they took two just, quotes yeah. about they asked they asked Judge about the Red so- you know, going to the Red Network. Sox. If you watch the actual video, he literally like laughs and gives the guy a look, and he's like, "Yeah, we'll talk after the season." And then later on, he you know they asked him about playing at Fenway Park, and he says. Oh, you know, uh, they're, you know, some of the best fans in the world, whatever. They took those two quotes, combined them, like didn't even put a, like anything to divide it, like a period, nothing. And just said, Aaron Judge, when asked about going to the Red Sox, we'll talk about it after the season. They're some of the best fans in the world. Like that, that is just an insane, like, that's just malpractice. Of, I saw the video. Crazy. I saw the video and that this is how I saw it. I don't know where I saw it. It said the first quote was they're some of the best fans. And then the second quote was we'll revisit it. I don't know if that was the correct order or not, but that's the video I saw on Wednesday night. Yeah. I'm talking about the the SNY headline that I saw was basically combining those two quotes 
and they like tried to make it seem like oh like maybe judge and i even saw people because obviously it worked people were replying to the tweet and retweeting whatever saying oh my god if judge goes to the red Sox, oh my god like panicking which obviously was their goal and i mean it had to be an andy martino article because he's the clickbait master i don't know if it was or not he is good he's good at that clickbait he's a master class of clickbaiting constantly he's like the ultimate pinnacle of the new york media and it's just cringy like jam said like it's just why like it's a non-story and you make a story out of it just for clicks and views and people to talk about it it's ridiculous all right let's uh let's move on here We'll see what happens with the Jets. I actually like the Jets to cover the spread this weekend against the Browns. I do. Great. I like them nice. to uh, to keep it close. They'll lose, but they'll keep it close against the Browns in Cleveland. Um, let's get into Dak Prescott and the Cowboys very quickly before we kind of look at look ahead to this weekend's uh, NFL matchups. Uh, Dak Prescott injured on Sunday night. Now, Jerry Jones says they're not putting him on the IR. I saw this morning or yesterday, I forget when, that week six is possible for a return for Dak. I don't know how that can happen, but we'll see. He's not going on the IR and they're not trading for a quarterback. What do you guys think of that? I think that for I'll, I'll first touch on the part about not trading for a quarterback. I always find that so funny that whenever a guy, you know, a, guy, a team starter goes down, especially when it's a, a good starter like Dak Prescott, he's not a leap, but he's good. Whenever that happens, people always talk about, oh, are you going to sign so-and-so off the market? It's always like the biggest name. I mean, for the last few years, it was Kaepernick. I think that's kind of died off now. But it's always like, who's the biggest name? I mean, even last year with the Saints, they were like, are they going to bring back Drew Brees when Winston went down? Like, stuff like that. But the thing that I always find so funny about that is, why all of a sudden are you now? Because and the point of having a backup quarterback is so that if your quarterback gets hurt, you trust the guy to at least be serviceable. So if you don't trust your backup, who's Cooper Rush, right, for the, for the Cowboys, if you don't trust him to at least be serviceable, then why do you even have him on the team? Like, why is he even your backup quarterback? And then if you need to bring in another backup, if you trade for whoever, Jimmy Garoppolo, or if you sign somebody off of free agency, then they need to learn the whole offense. They weren't with you, obviously, in training camp or the preseason. I mean, bringing in a, a new quarterback and integrating him into your system when the season already started is extremely difficult to do. I mean, why, I mean, there's a reason quarterbacks never get traded during the season. So I just think it's, I mean, I don't blame the Cowboys for not signing or trading for a quarterback. I mean, it seems like they're not going to, I mean, who, who knows, maybe if, uh, you know, they get really bad quarterback play this weekend, Jerry Jones is the type to panic and sign somebody who knows, maybe he'll tell uh, Kellen Mond to, or not Kellen Mond. Um, who's their offensive coordinator? Kellen um, Moore. Kellen Kellen, Moore. Maybe, yeah, exactly. Maybe they'll tell Moore to suit up again. Um, but I mean, the crazy thing is too, is that Dak played so poorly in week one. I mean, just watching the game, I was thinking to myself, I mean, he looks just horrendous and, and, you know, I know that, you know, they have Gallup's injured and, and Cooper left and whatever, and Tyron Smith is injured, but he looked so bad. He threw, I saw a statistic yesterday. He threw 10 interceptable passes, which was by far the most in week one in the NFL most guys threw, you know, three, four, and that might be, and that's even kind of like the middle of the pack. Like Jared Goff threw five, I believe, and Dak threw ten. Like that's, I mean, if he was going to keep playing like that, maybe it's not even that significant of a loss. So I don't blame Dallas for not signing a quarterback. I mean, I'm sure he'll play better once he comes back, Dak. But 
Dallas might be already out of contention by then. I mean, especially if Philadelphia continues to play as great as, you know, we think that they could, Dallas might be out of it. Yeah, and, and Philly's going to be – there's a chance they're 5-0 and by the time Dak comes back. Their schedule is very light after this weekend against the Vikings. So you're 100% right about that. Dak looked like crap. The team did not look that – I mean, defensively they look pretty good, but their weapons, a lot of injuries up front. Their offensive line did not look good at all. They're going to get Gallup back eventually, but I'm not in love with this team, and I think they're going to miss the playoffs. Not I said that before the year. I didn't think that they yeah. were going to make the playoffs. So – I think the only thing that you can blame them for, and obviously Dak had that injury to the ankle, which was kind of a freak injury, you could say, but this guy has missed some time over the past few years. You would think that you would have a better backup in place, better than Cooper Rush. The only guy I could see them at bringing in was Gilbert. They got Gilbert who played for them a couple of years ago, even last year he was with them. So that's the only guy I could see, but you're right. It is difficult to trade for a quarterback or even sign one, not being acclimated to the system. Exactly. Well, it depends on how long Dak would be out for. If he's out for the year, because I agree with Joe's point about the whole why even have a backup quarterback, because I said the same thing about the Jets last year when Wilson went down. They start signing all these quarterbacks. I'm like, why did you even have a backup in the first place? Um, If Dak was out for the year, what's the deal with Jimmy G? Does he have a no-trade clause still, or what's... Yeah, his new contract, he has a no-trade clause. I was going to say, obviously, I think that's the first guy you look to saying, okay, don't make a trade for him, but it doesn't even matter because Dak's not going to miss an extended amount of time. You know, he's not going to be out the whole year. Yeah. No need. But I think they they have a lot of other needs that are not just going to get a quarterback right now. All right. Is there any matchups that... Oh, let's go back to last week. Most surprising win in week one. Most surprising. Giants. Um, yeah, the Giants. I mean, the Giants might have been the biggest upset. Um, I would also say, I mean, watching the games live, seeing that comeback that, I mean, the Saints were obviously the favorites going into the game, the favorites going into the game, but the way that they came back was crazy. I mean, I guess against the Falcons, it's kind of expected at this point. I mean, with their history of just blowing crazy leads, but the Giants, honestly, I mean, I was very, very low on the Giants going into the season, and I'm still low on them. I don't, I don't think that they're going to be have a winning season or anything like that. But the biggest difference maker to me about the Giants and what I saw in that game, and I went back and watched some of the film yesterday, was that Saquon looked way better than he did last season. And I don't even necessarily think it's just – I know the, the excuse the past few years whenever Giants fans talk about Daniel Jones or Saquon – especially last year was the offensive line sucks. So like, obviously they're going to suck and that's not necessarily wrong because their offensive line is pretty bad, but I didn't think the giants offensive line was incredible by any means uh, on Sunday, but Saquon just looked explosive. I mean, obviously he wasn't fully healthy last year and, you know, you never know with running backs bouncing back from major injury, but I think that that was very encouraging the way that he looked on Sunday. I mean, he looked great. No, you could tell last year that something was off with him, and it was clear that he, he didn't trust himself. He didn't trust his knee still. And then he hurt the ankle in that Dallas game and that freak injury where he rolled it. But the offensive line was bad last year. I thought they played pretty decently well on Sunday. But you're right. He looks more explosive. He looks better. He looks different. He looked like he did when he bursted onto the scene early in his career. So I, that's a plus. And – I don't know. The deep, the defense was impressive. Somehow the defense was impressive on Sunday. I would say that one, 
I would say the Bears too, but when you saw what the weather looked like, yeah, I was just that, the yeah, morning exactly. of that was a toss up. Plus, it makes sense, you know, Fields, uh, not Fields, uh, Trey Lance's first game as a starter in in a full season. Yeah, on on I the mean, road. Yeah, you understand, you know, him dropping that game. Well, I think it's funny that people are using that game as some sort of like measuring stick for how good Lance or Fields are. Like I've seen, I mean. Bears fans are, they've got to be the most optimistic fan base I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I, I actually saw a statistic. I'm not like, this was an actual stat. I didn't even know stats like this exist. Uh, it was earlier. I believe it was during training camp or the preseason. And it was the, what is the highest percentage of positive posts on social media from a fan base? I and the bears that. were like easily number one. And I'm just thinking to myself, I'm like, they have sucked. For the last couple of seasons, I mean, even when they've made the playoffs, I mean, it's they've they've never had good quarterback play. They've made they've they had a terrible GM with Ryan Pace. They had an awful head coach, Matt Nagy. I mean, there's just not. And then going into the season, there's just not a lot to be excited about. I mean, you're trying to build around this young quarterback in Fields, who I don't really like. Fields, I don't think that he's going to be a franchise quarterback. But I mean, if you want him to have any chance of doing so, you want to put better receivers around him than Velas Jones Jr. and Nikhil Harry. So and a, obviously a better offensive line. Their offensive line is terrible. So now all of a sudden they win this game in a monsoon. I mean, I could tell you that I bet on the 49. I bet on a bunch of props for the 49ers. I, I I had 49ers minus seven. When I turned on my TV that morning and I saw that it was a monsoon in Chicago, I I couldn't have, I, I was I was beside myself because I'm like, none of these bets are gonna hit now. This game's gonna be a total crapshoot. When you whenever you have weather like that. Everything that you thought going into the game just goes out the window completely. You're not going to be able to pass. The receivers aren't going to be able to run routes properly. And the crazy thing is, is that there's all the Bears fans that are talking about Fields was so great in that game. No, he was, he was, he was bad in that game, but I can't even blame him for being bad because of the weather. But don't say he was great because it's just not true. He's going to be on IR by week four, bro, that he's running for his life every single play. Yeah. And he's kind of – he's a little reckless the way he's running too. Yeah. Like he's not putting himself in the smartest positions either. And it's a bad combo because he's a quarterback that does not have good pocket feel for the pocket, doesn't have a good feel for pressure, and he's got happy feet. The second that there's an ounce of pressure, he doesn't step up in the pocket. He just runs out of the pocket. He's It's a bad combo. And like I said, if you want any – any sort of indicator of if Fields is a franchise quarterback, I mean, you got to put a better offensive line around him. I think the Bears are still, I mean, if they won two games the rest of the season, that would not shock me at all. I don't think, and I, if the 49ers lost two games the rest of the season, I, I, that wouldn't shock me at all. I had the Niners as my one seed going into the year. When you have all the circumstances that we already talked about happen for that game, I, that game basically meant nothing to me. I want to call it a surprise. If the, if the weather wasn't the way it was, I would say it was. But because of the way it was, anything could happen in weather like that. No surprise there with the weather. No. All right. Let's move on quickly. Let's talk about some games this weekend that we're looking forward to. I have a couple jotted down here. One of them, Buccaneers and Saints. I'm excited to see this one. Saints, you talked about it before, Joe. Big comeback win uh, against the Falcons. The Buccaneers. They looked real well. The defense played great against Dallas, but Brady has had a hard time against the Saints in the regular season since he's gotten to Tampa Bay. 
Yeah, I I really like the Saints in that game. I, I think that this is probably the best Saints defense of the last couple of years. And I think that the Buccaneers, I mean, their offensive line going into week one was looking shakier than usual. And now they lost, uh, I'm forgetting the tackle's name, but they lost their starting left tackle uh, in the game last Smith. Yeah, right. So they they so uh they lost their starting left tackle in the game last uh last week. It looks like he's probably not going to suit up for this game. The Saints have a devastating front seven. I think that you know Godwin's out. Um, I think the, the Buccaneers offense didn't look great in week one, and I don't see it getting much better in week two because of the things I just talked about. So and the Saints have had Brady's number, so I like the Saints in this game. I like the Saints too. I agree. I mean, I, I've had the Saints losing the division by a game, I think. I have them going like 11 and 6 or something like that. Um, and the defense is really good. You're right. Um, I want to see a little more out of Chris Olave, though, next week. Yes, he was. Yeah. He was almost non-existent. Jarvis Landry was getting, I think he had the most catches and yards. Great receivers outside of him, though. So Yeah, yeah. Um, but I'd like to see, you know, a nice game for Chris Olave. Um, the Bucks. They looked good. They didn't look – I mean, I understand they're not healthy, like you said. Godwin's hurt. Evans – is Evans going to play? He's he's on the injury report. He better yeah. play. I don't even know if he's going to play. Um, Where is the game also? New Orleans. Yeah. Yeah. Give me Saints money line. I, honestly, I, I might take that. And a, a couple of the other really great games, those are Monday night. Uh, we've got – the Titans and the Bills, that's at 7.15. Then at 8.30, we've got the Vikings and the Eagles, the one I'm really looking forward to. I like the Eagles in this one, although a couple of things are changing here. I still like the Eagles, though, uh, to get this win. Yeah, I like the Eagles and the Bills. Um, I think that – I don't think the Titans are going to be very good this year. I didn't like them going into the pre, uh, going into the season. And I, I thought that an X factor for them was going to be Robert Woods. And he was basically non-existent in the week one game plan. So you're talking about the only reliable veteran receiver on the roster. And obviously he's coming off with a major, off of a major injury. And now suddenly he's not a factor. I mean, it could change going forward. Maybe he's still getting acclimated into the offense, but I don't really like the Titans. I think they have a good defense. I think the offense is, I think, I think we might start, might again i want to emphasize i want to put an emphasis on might we might be starting to see a decline from derrick henry yeah everybody everybody's saying that yeah i said i said it before week one we'll say it could be the giants defense just played so well i don't i don't think that's the case i think that we're going to see it this year plus injuries it's tough to stay healthy at this position and be hitting the legs like that so much not easy uh, I agree. What did you think they were going to be, Joe? Like win total before the year? Uh, I thought. I mean, I didn't think they were going to be terrible. I thought like eight or nine wins, but I thought that the Colts were pretty clearly better than them. Uh, and I think the Colts will play better going forward than they did in Week One. Week One is not an omen to the rest of the season for a lot of teams. Yeah, I I, I thought I had JM thought I had them a little low at my win total. I'm at like seven or eight wins. Jam yeah, thought that was slightly. Might be right. I, I, I mean, who knows. I think they're going to – hey, listen, no team in that division has a win yet, so uh, we're going to see. Oh, what I mean. le- last thing. Joe, yeah. Jack is keeps telling me, did you actually say the Jaguars are going to win the AFC South? I mean, I was like half joking. I think that the I think that the Jaguars will be better than people thought going into the season. I mean, 
they completely sold in that game against the commanders week one. I think that Lawrence Lawrence is primed to take a step forward, but will he actually do it? I don't know. I like their running backs. I think that their offensive line is pretty good. I think the defense is a little bit better than people think it is. Uh, I like the weapons they put around Lawrence this year too. I think that, you know, a lot of people ripped on Kirk for the money that he got, but I, I think he's a pretty good receiver. He had a great week one. Um, yeah. I mean, I think the Jag, I think the Jaguars could be better than the Titans. I could see, uh, you know, if, yeah. like Merlo uh, said, if the, if the Titans win seven games, I mean, I could see the Jaguars maybe winning eight or wow. maybe nine. I think they can. Dougie P that's, that's the boy. Doug, yeah, like they, I mean, and going from going from urban Meyer to anybody, you could put me, at yeah. head coach for the Jaguars. I, I mean, the, we would be talking about all-time quotes before. The thing that he said, who's that 99 guy on the Rams last year? <laughs> I mean, that's <laughs> like that's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think the Jaguars could be better than people think. All right. Joe, thank you very much for joining us. Episode 74 is about to wrap up. Um, give your ads on uh, TikTok pretty quickly. Yeah, uh, at Just Ball Analytics. I'll be posting. I post TikToks all the time there, uh, talking about sports through the lens of analytics. And uh, I'll be putting a bunch of stuff from this podcast. Thank you guys for having me on. We appreciate no it. Thank you for coming Thanks on. Uh, we'll be back next week. Enjoy uh, next week's games.